people who have identified as likely likely vulnerable that's ai used for good like it's not about actually ai predicting a, a debt or predicting an activity or a more severe consequence to someone and so being really deliberate about the things that we're able to do and then being very conscious of what that impact would be so there might be decisions where there might be the opportunity because of ai and machine learning but we'll step back and think that doesn't really fit with our value set and not pursue it Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to GovComs, the podcast that examines the practice of communication in government and the public sector. My name is David Pembroke. Thanks for joining me. Today, my guest is Scott Johnson, who is an experienced senior leader with a career both in the Australian, the New South Wales and the United Kingdom public sectors. Scott began his career in the Australian Bureau of Statistics before moving across to the UK, where he worked in the Office of National Statistics, working on projects that made an important contribution to both the OECD and the development of the European Union. He then returned to the New South Wales Public Service Commission in June of 2014, where he's held the roles of Director of Workforce Information and the Assistant Commissioner of Performance and Analytics. Uh, In April 2020, Scott was appointed to his current role of Deputy Secretary of the Revenue New South Wales Office, where he is the Chief Commissioner of State Revenue and the Commissioner of Fines Administration. Since joining Revenue New South Wales, Scott has focused on providing flexibility and an improved customer experience for revenue's 3.5 million annual customers. And he also has a big focus on digital transformation and supporting the state's most vulnerable citizens. Over the past two years, Revenue New South Wales has become sought after for its leadership in the automation, collaboration skills, innovation, and also customer-centred design. He joins me now. Uh, Scott, welcome to GovComs. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. Listen, it's a big thing, and we've obviously been speaking over the last couple of years and a big focus on the New South Wales Government Services New South Wales and this absolute relentless focus on customer experience. Through your journey in the public service, can you describe just exactly how you've seen that evolve and emerge over time? And and what are some of the big influences that have brought people to that need to be uh, ruthlessly and uh, you know uh, relentlessly focused on the needs of citizens? Oh, that's such a big question to start with, David. I, I think when I when I started as a, a young public servant in the year two thousand, um, the focus was very much on doing what you did yesterday and doing that well, and it was almost a sense of can we provide clarity with the things that we do and hope citizens, customers, those that engage with us would learn how to interact. Um, Wonderful experiences for me working at the Australian Bureau of Statistics for nearly 14 years, having 
the opportunities to think about how information can make a difference to people's decisions in their life and might be their business um, and, and actually that, that, that value that you get from data and, and translating data into useful information is really powerful. But a lot of the time, I often found we would provide really great, meaningful, pointed pieces of information, but you hoped people took it and ran with it. Um, and I think lots of parts of the public service for many years were, were, were like that. Um, in New South Wales, in the 12 years ago with the creation of Service New South Wales, it really put a big injection into New South Wales government public services to think differently. How do we start bringing customers their experiences together into to one place? And and I think what I saw in that evolution was how hard it is to get movement on some of this. You know, we've got complex monolithic systems that say, this is how for mine you run the tax system or the fine system of New South Wales. That creates a bit of tension with actually thinking about what do people need to, to do there. Um, and really from, from a perspective of being in this role for the last three years, um, the tension of an organisation that's primary purpose through history has been about collecting revenue, 40% of New South Wales budget comes from us, to stepping back and thinking, well, if we can provide an exceptional service to three and a half million people, as you mentioned, David, the revenue will take care of itself. But actually, the relationship we have with people, which is an ongoing one, can, can thrive. And that's made us fundamentally look at things differently. Um, a lot of difficult discussions and decisions about actually, you know, how do we position ourselves and, and leverage great assets like Service New South Wales? We don't need to be front and centre for everything. We can use the, the the really big capabilities we have now that we didn't have previously to make a difference. And you can see that word customer being embedded in an organisation such as Revenue New South Wales, where probably five or 10 years ago, it never would have been able to, but now it's the words we use. We think about what problem are we solving and it starts with a customer rather than that revenue point. It's amazing. Mm. Well, it, 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 it's, a, it's such a big change and, and such a big behaviour change, you know, through the organisation, as you mentioned, these large, monolithic, uh, conservative, traditional organisations. How have you made the change stick? Yeah, that's... Oh, look, I think this is an ongoing effort as well because we're on a journey and we're not, we're not perfect. Um, but, but I think there's a lot of courage leaders have to, to show and, and we've tried to, in the Department of Customer Service and specifically in Revenue, to say this is the, the North Star we're moving towards to be completely customer-centric, to make it easy for people to understand their obligations. So then we can think about digital innovation. We can think about where we need to be analog and, and in communities to engage with people. And then through success, for instance, one, you know, one of our measures is being able to collect the revenue from, uh, for, for, the, for the state. We've, we've had more and more success through doing innovations that have actually made things easier for people. So that would be one thing. So success leads to more success, um, helps position ourselves well within government and budgets to say, well, if we're invested in to do things that actually are not just about collecting more money, but changing people's experiences that doesn't provide a cost or a negative or a, a downside. We actually become really provocative 
in our arguments to, to others to support us. And, and I think that's been really important. The other thing with customer sticking would be using, thinking about problems differently. How do we start collectively coming together with issues to say, well, this person or this business interacts with us so many times in so many ways. It's highly inefficient, firstly, from an internal perspective to ask them the same information, or it might be absolutely inappropriate to you know, think about things in a way because we've got to maintain privacy. So we've got to really test ourselves on how far we can push it. But actually stepping into that space where you are pushing things further and further so that customers get a better outcome. And for us as an organisation in the past couple of years, because of the COVID, uh, the pandemic, um, we stepped into an organisation that was giving a lot of money back through grants, administration. Um, and it's an incredibly powerful thing for our 1,700 staff to talk to people about how they're suffering and talking to them about opportunities that they might get through receiving money. So it gives a really different customer lens to the experience they have with us. And now that's helping us when we think about payroll tax compliance or some of the kind of more technical manual things that maybe in years gone by, we would have had a list of audits that we were running through and just worked through them. We've actually stepped into the shoes of people. Um, but it's hard work and it's about language from the top, but it's also the case studies from and staff talking about the things where they've made a difference to people and really championing them. And if you champion the right things, I think you make really good progress. So just how important then is that internal communication where you are, I imagine, perpetually uh, explaining, demonstrating, showing you know the benefits of this customer-centred approach that, as you say, it's a bit like painting the Harbour Bridge. It's a job that's never done, but... Just how big a priority have you made internal communication so people are continuing to learn, continuing to understand and continuing to see the benefits of this customer-centred approach? Uh, so, so one of the main things that when I joined Revenue New South Wales, it was as we were in our first lockdown in 2020, April 2020, and it's really if it wasn't experience I'd had before leading a large organisation when you couldn't actually see anyone face-to-face. -face. Um, so it set a tone of using the tools that we had available. We've got locations around the state as well, so it's not easy to be in the one place with everyone at any point. So I personally stepped into how, how can I convey a, a sense of what matters to me? How can I lead from a perspective of values? Because you know, one of the reasons I'm still in the public service is the values that underpin the things that we do and the, the difference we can make. And then every week running a video for two years, the first two and a half years actually, I, I did a weekly video that would talk about our successes, It'd share information, but it would be very much focused on the great stuff that we were doing and the achievements. Um, and that starts becoming just part of what you do and part of what everyone does. And then it, you start seeing the mirroring behaviours as down down through the, the the chain. But also really trying to lift up those people that wouldn't have that have done excellence in their customer uh, facing work that probably haven't had that before. But revenue organisations doing the work that we're doing have been in existence since the. Uh, <laughs> since the colony was created. And so you think about... Um, well, it's biblical almost, isn't it? You know, the, it is. The, the, yeah. <laughs> it is. Tax, but never very popular. 
Yeah, and and <laughs> and and without doubt, there was some tension for many people about providing great customer service at the suffer and 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 there'd be consequences to the things that matter around collecting revenue and continually saying they're not mutually exclusive. These things, and this is an example of it. Um, for for many reasons, including a property boom, um, we've collected more and more money each year than than in my time at the organisation, and we're more effective and efficient in doing it. And people talk about the satisfaction they get from solving people's problems, and that might not be forgiving a debt, or a, it, but it might be about helping them resolve that. And that becomes pretty special when you start telling about those telling those anecdotes that can be backed by the data that shows performance also. Hmm. follows through well it's interesting i and, and i can tell you a story um of my engagement and this only happened last week i live in canberra but i was up in sydney and i must have been speeding of some sort with a camera uh whenever that was it wasn't you know it's was probably a couple of months ago when it happened anyway I, I got this notice the other day and i thought oh my god I've, it's a bill that i'm getting you know i've got been caught speeding i have to pay this thing but it wasn't in fact a bill it was basically it was a warning to say, hey, you've gone over by a certain amount, wasn't a, a large amount. Um, we're not going to fine you, uh, but listen, just when you're when you're up in driving on New South Wales roads, please be a little bit more careful. Yeah, and I got I got this thing. I thought, wow, that's different. One, they've not, you know, I don't have to pay, but my attitude then has changed, and it's it really it was such a powerful. Uh, Engagement around that one particular note, and obviously not getting the fine. Um, but clearly, that's someone's put. You know, you've put a lot of thought into those types of interactions to change people's attitudes. To uh, yeah, because again, next time if I get pinged, of course I'm going to pay pay because I got off last time. So it's it's a great story, David, and I, I and I'm delighted to hear it because. The thing that we, if we go to a barbecue, any of our staff, if you've got a job title commissioner of fines, it's an absolute <laughs> um, conversation killer or people tell you their story of hard luck or um, misfortune. And but fines administration is about behavioural change. How do we enable the right outcome so people are safer, follow the rules that are set to keep all of us as a community um, protected? And so then you start opening up ideas about actually how we engage with people and uh, be innovative um, to divert them from further mischief or um, and finding. So so we we do some really exceptional things through behavioural insights and, and nudging people to, to behave, such as the intervention you talked to, or other things. One of the great stories that last year I was so proud of was a pilot study, which we're now building into a, a statewide effort um, where people are pulled over without a car seat properly fitted. And the fine for that is, I think it's $350 or $360. It's a significant fine. Um, and typically, so often people will have more than one child not correctly fitted in the back of a car, often focused on the most vulnerable people who don't have the capacity to pay it. But we ran a pilot where people can, if they're pulled over by police, instead of actually getting a fine, they get an opportunity to go and get the car seat fitted and then the fine's withdrawn after that's been correctly done. We had this story where we were talking to customers who had this and one one gentleman who's um, fairly new to Australia, he had two kids who weren't correctly fitted, went and got it fixed 
and then a week or two later had a serious car accident and they all walked away and and he oh, he wow. said you know this this makes a difference and 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 for us to hear those stories that thinks about well it's not about necessarily the dollars that we've collected it's the impact we have and that goes a lot further because different people can pay money like different people have different capacities to pay but if we can start understanding actually what are the the triggers or the motivations for people to act differently we can do very special stuff now, in an earlier answer, you referred to these new capabilities that you now have at your hands to be able to better enable you to do your work. And we referred around, you know, automation, collaboration, you know, artificial intelligence, other technologies. Just how are you going about managing the integration of those technologies into the work that your teams are doing such that they can get better access to data, um, better inform some of those behavioural interventions that you we were talking about just a moment ago, but just keeping up to speed with those changes such that they are useful um, and not a hindrance. Yeah, so we, we maintain so much information. Uh, we, we, we are genuinely a data driven organization and, and for me that was one of with my background in statistics and um and, and maths was one of the really exciting things about coming to to revenue new south wales and and so what that then enables is um so many different opportunities but the risk of doing it either too quickly or not consistently is significant and so we've had to over a number of years go slow to the point of saying, well, what are these technologies we want to embrace? Um, robotic process automation, which I can talk to a, a little bit, and, and also the use of AI, knowing particularly as one of the, I would say one of the leaders in New South Wales government of these, these tools is how do we do it in a way that's ethically appropriate, um, values-based, makes a difference to customers um, and puts us in a strong position to, to grow and so people and our staff can work with these tools. Um, and so we're like everything on an early part of the journey um, for, for considering automation, we've invested huge effort in mapping our processes and then working out what could we build bots to do that work. And I, I heard an estimate a couple of weeks ago that um, while our staff levels over the past couple of years has grown by about 500 due to, We've now got close to 100 FTE, an additional 100 FTE worth of work being done by robots. That's so powerful for us to then think about how do we enable further effort and interaction between humans and bots to, to provide better services and customer service to, to people um, to, do, to do great things. But, but I think the, the key bit for us is it's not about being more efficient, even though that's one of the benefits, is starting from what problem are we solving and trying to educate our staff on what those opportunities are because the staff on the front line are the ones that can see it. And then if you provide that capability and make it available, it really grows momentum. And, and how then do you manage those, those ethical challenges um, by taking that values-based Approach because clearly uh, we have some examples uh, not in the New South Wales public service but in uh, the federal public service where uh, a similar sort of automation you know created huge amounts of trouble because it wasn't handled 
uh, appropriately, and there's been a royal commission into that, very public royal commission into that. So how 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 do you manage those things in such a way that you achieve the benefit? But you, you know, limit the downside risk. So, so I would say there wouldn't be a public servant who's not aware and concerned and and, and troubled by what we saw in the that royal commission and the robo debt and how decisions by it were made and and such. So, we're fortunate. Part of the Department of Customer Service has the chief data scientist who's built AI frameworks and and, and settings for us to test our ideas against, firstly. Um, But I think the critical piece for us is deciding where we employ artificial intelligence and and robotics and what it's it's intersection with customers and people. So while we can do a thousand, the the opportunities for us are limitless in many respects, but that doesn't mean we want to do all those things. The first big area of, of AI that we've used, I think is a great example of this, is where, so in our fines legislation, we, um, if people don't engage with us after many, many contacts, attempts by us, we have to get to the point where we have to enforce that fine, which could mean garnishing money from your bank account, which is a really difficult thing for us to do. And it's at the last step of that. Um, and there's rules about how people are left with more than $500 in their account. And there's there's processes to protect vulnerable people. But what we knew is we know a lot about people and we can effectively predict vulnerability and take people out of that process so we don't cause greater suffering. So over a number of years, three or four years, we've been built, we've been refining a, a model that's now shifting people outside of a process that would have probably caused them great duress. Um, about 15,000 people each year uh, benefit from this process that puts them back into the mix of us trying to contact and other methods to get in, to reach out to people. Um, and so these are people who have identified as likely, likely vulnerable. That's... AI used for good, like it's not about actually pointing people to here's a debt that you could, AI predicting a a debt or predicting an activity or a more severe consequence to someone. And so being really deliberate about the things that we're able to do and then being very conscious of what that impact would be. So there might be decisions where there might be the opportunity because of AI and machine learning, but we'll step back and think that doesn't really fit with our value set and not pursue it. We know that while we do a really difficult job, we can actually utilize the data that we have and and the sophisticated tools that are available to us to actually improve that circumstance. So in terms then of the the types of skills and types of people that um, Services New South Wales and your team at Revenue New South Wales uh, what does that what's that mix starting to look like and and how is it changing? As technology becomes a, a more important driver of uh, of uh, the ultimate decisions that you make in terms of being able to gather, you know, the various information to help you with mm. the insights that you need to make decisions. So, so we've we've got a much bigger, stronger, and evolved digital team. Uh, we we're looking for skills around. Um, software engineering to think about how can we create the platforms and the tools for for the future in the cloud that are safer for us to manage risk around privacy and cyber. Similarly, thinking about what are the data capabilities that we need and really pumping up that 
that area of our work. We we have great access to information through our legislation um, and data sharing across governments as well. Um, but there's really tight rules around how we use them. So we do need a really strong core within our within within revenue to 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 guide that. And so so that's saying when we talk about people who work with data, it's less about processing reports and uh, building dashboards for people to operationally make decisions, which is still important for us. But how can we think about some complex problems and then stepping back into what the design of those solutions might mean, which means we want customer experience ex people, we want um, people who can think about agile delivery so that we're iterating as we go rather than spending years to, to build a build a something for someone and, and it doesn't hit the mark. I think the other point I would make is it really has made me think a lot about what leadership is and what kinds of leaders do we do we need. Um, you know, we, we're also working in hybrid environments where we don't necessarily come together as often. The leaders have to be better coaches. They have to be better motivators. They need to push from behind rather than be, be on the hill telling everyone to catch up to them. And people need to be quite flexible to think about solutions might mean I'm not delivering it, I'm doing it in partnership with someone else. And, and one of the biggest successes revenues had in the past couple of years is our partnership with Service New South Wales. We're cousin organisations, we sit together, sit near each other, we're um, uh, the, the CEO of Service New South Wales and I are on the same leadership team in the Department of Customer Service. But the opportunities of us understanding our capabilities mean we can partner together better that gives a better outcome for the customers, regardless of the front door being Service New South Wales and we're in the back room doing some work or or what that looks like. And, and I think that takes a more humble leader who doesn't necessarily need to be beating their chest saying, look at look at what I've done or we've done, but actually plays the long game and thinks about that kind of profound impact we have. Mm. Is that the secret, that humility um, that drives effective collaboration? I think so. I think um, where you're humble, you will have a good appreciation of what you're capable of, but you're willing to listen and be curious about what others can do. And you need an element, I guess, of courage to step into spaces maybe others haven't in the past but knowing what your weaknesses and your limits are as well is really important which I think for, for a group like us where as I said we've grown and a lot of that's been about how do we now support opportunities where we give money out to, to people and businesses as opposed to just collecting it it's made us think about what capabilities have we got and what haven't we and where do we actually either try and build them ourselves or work closer with other parts of government so five years time, if you were thinking about you know this high performing organisation as it continues to evolve, continues to change, continues to improve both its soft and and, and hard skills as an organisation in with that very strong mission of developing and delivering high quality customer service, what changes or what continues to change or what does that five year time horizon look like? So. I, th I think there's there's a couple of aspects that would be in five years' time we 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 absolutely need to be we we will remain critical to providing a large part of the state's revenue to fund schools, hospitals, roads, prisons, and everything else. Um, we'll be there's a there's a greater need for us to be 
better at doing that. So not better necessarily, just more efficient. But the future, and hopefully it's sooner than five years because we're, we're working on it now, is how can we provide for anyone a really clear sense of what their obligations are when they engage with us? Um, that might mean if you're a conveyancer that's helping support the the payment of, or a lawyer paying multiple customers' land tax bills for them, um, that you can navigate your way through working with us from multiple customers, your own personal requirements, and a view that debt and um, and your obligations to New South Wales government can come together in a way that Actually, really, what matters is what is your overall obligation and how do you best navigate that and us providing better support to that. So that's about deep personalization. And I think the other part in five years, which we're doing really amazing things from my my view, is about how do we engage with all people in New South Wales? Particularly in our fines work, it is really the most vulnerable or overrepresented in, the, in, in their interactions with us. They're the they're often people who don't want to talk to us or engage with us so we can provide support to them. How do we build that trust? How do we provide, again, personal and flexible interactions, which is not necessarily about digitization of services, but connection through either partnership, community partnership, offices based across the state so that trusted people can kind of work with people to resolve resolve their debts. And I think that when we step back to how I talked around values being integral to, to what we do, really speaks strongly about providing a great customer experience for everyone. Um, and then the last bit, I think what I would love is, you know, my, my background, I worked at the Public Service Commission where thinking about workforce strategies and evolution and the future of work was really important, as how do we, tra we we're really at a point of, transition for lots of roles and organisations from doing fairly you know, repetitive work into other types of jobs. And um, I know we're doing much more than many others in, in this space. And that career pathway and engagement that our workforce has to learn new things, be a curious learning organisation, would be right at the, the heart of everything we do, which We'll attract more great people. We'll have meaning from our work, and people can, for however long they work for Revenue New South Wales, they can think that this was a special part of their their career. Well, Scott Johnson, congratulations on everything that you have achieved there, and it certainly sounds, again, I think through leadership where you can be as clear as you have been through today's discussion. I think that articulation of that that pathway that roadmap um, certainly will attract people as they uh, as they seek to deliver and you know greater meaning in in their in their working lives and uh, certainly sounds like a an interesting place to work at revenue new south wales never a dull moment that's very true it's um it's a wonderful organization <laughs> to be part of Excellent. Well, congratulations to you. Congratulations to the team. And again, congratulations to the New South Wales government to, for continuing to, to lead um, in this customer centricity and, and baking it into so many parts of its organisation. It's certainly uh, delivering great value to the people of New South Wales and one resident of Canberra who got off the hall <laughs> from a fine. So uh, yeah, congratulations very very th and, and a big thanks for that too. So, uh, yeah, really look. Thanks, David. Um, and to you, the audience, thank you for listening once again. What a great discussion there with Scott Johnson. And again, to hear 
not just the wisdom and the experience of someone clearly who knows a lot about data um, and about people, uh, but leading an organisation in that way, but really looking a lot like that idea of you know having to go slowly. Yes, there was that opportunity to to go and use the you know the wonderful computing capabilities to be able to move faster and 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 perhaps collect more revenue. But um, wiser minds. Uh, realize that you know hang on we've got to work through this and building those uh, frameworks that are in place those ethical frameworks the standards the processes the structures to be able to make better decisions uh, clearly good things happening there but uh, a great conversation uh, and thanks to you uh, for coming back once again if you do have time for a rating or a review of the program on your favorite podcast catcher uh, always helps the program to be found so we'd be very grateful if you'd be able to do that and Another great conversation. We'll be back at the same time in two weeks with another conversation with another leader uh, from another part of the wonderful world of government and the public sector. But for the moment, my name is David Pembroke and it's bye for now. You've been listening to the GovComs podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes. 